Hallelujah. So we're talking about the principles of the kingdom. And it's important that we understand the principles of the kingdom of God. Because we need to understand how he operates. We need to understand how he's thinking. We need to understand what is his will. Because remember, the kingdom of God is where his will is established. But if we don't know what his will is, if we do not know what he, he wants from us, then it will be hard for us to align. Do you agree? So we need to know, we need to know what his will is. We need to know his principles. We need to know how he works so that we'll be aligned with him. And the first principle I will share this morning is that whatever we have, everything that we have, it still belongs ultimately to God. It still belongs ultimately to God. Because he's king. Hallelujah. Everything, everything including your money, hallelujah. You know, when, I, when, we, when they were singing this song today, and, you know, they were singing, it all belongs to you. They mentioned my heart, my mind, my soul. Those things are, like, intangible, right? <laughs> Somebody will say, well, I love the Lord. He has all my heart, but not my bank account. Not my, you know? So God, everything belongs to him, tangible and intangible. Can you say that? Everything belongs to him, tangible and intangible. Your thoughts, your heart, your money, your opportunities, your talents, your gift. In fact, they are not your own. He gave them to you. It belongs to him. He gave them to you in trust that you will use it for his glory. In trust that you will multiply. In trust that you will be fruitful. In trust that you will partner with him and say, I have it, but we're working together with this God. And I'm your representative here on earth. So if you need my money, I'll give you. If you need your time, I'll give you. If you need, in fact, it's your time. Yeah, it's your time. My time is your time. So that is the first principle of stewardship. That everything belongs to God. Your gifts are not really yours. They are the Lord's. Your gift now to God is how you use the gift that he has given you. What you do with it is now your gift. What you do with it is your gift to the Lord. And the narrative really changes when we make that reset in our mind. And say, this child that the Lord has given me belongs to the Lord. If that predicates your actions, your decisions, it will make a whole lot of difference. For example, you are in the house and your child is misbehaving. If you call the child and say, this Jane, the child that the Lord has given me, it's hard for you to say that child is stupid, right? Because really, honestly, when you look at it this way, at least most of us, when someone gives you something, like you borrow something from someone, most times you want to return it to them in the best shape, right? And I was thinking about this. I remember some incidences where I maybe go to the, the ladies' bathroom and it's not in the best shape. I'm sorry, this is too much information, TMI. But I always think that, I hope this person, so maybe there's something wrong with the, with the bathroom and I just feel like, oh, I can't use it. But I feel like if someone comes to the bathroom, and sees me walking away from it, they would think <laughs> I was the one who made the mess. Because, I mean, that's how we, I believe, hopefully we think that way. My hope is that you want to leave a place 
better than you met it. Because it's not yours. You want to show that you're a good steward. Now you borrow someone your, your money. You borrow someone your, of course, you want the money complete or even more. Like you borrow someone your, 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 your things or your clothes. As girls, when we're younger, we borrow, you know, wear our clothes. You want them to give you, it's then they're bringing it by better be clean. It better be nice. It better, it's better, you know, in the same shape that I gave it to the person. And so we need to think about it that way. Our money. If we say this money that the Lord has given me will be used to the glory of God. This husband, this marriage that the Lord has given me is blessed. If you want to, if you are tempted to abuse or, you know, your husband or your wife, you can't say, John, that the Lord has given me. You are crazy. You can't say that. So have that perspective in your mind. You don't have to say it all the time, but realize that everything you have was given to you by God. And so because it's, it's been given to you by God, you need to be a good steward of that in how you treat it, how you multiply it, how you utilize it. Hallelujah. So your body belongs to the Lord. So you don't put anything on the inside of it. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't put anything. One day I was you know, talking, I was just thinking about this and most times I'm usually careful about the things that I say. It's just how I'm wired. I, I believe that words are very important. But God said much more than what you say. Also be watchful about what you put in your mouth. And this was about health and wellness. So he was shifting my mind to the fact that, okay, I don't just con- be concerned about, you know, what you're saying and how is, but in addition to that, what you put in your mouth is also important. This is the gospel. <laughs> it is in the word of God. We need to be good stewards of the body that the Lord has given us. So drink more water, okay? Say no to sugar, Okay. Yes, that's being a good steward because as long as you are here, then you are useful to him. As long as you are here and healthy, then you are useful to the kingdom of God. But when you are here and you are not healthy, how does that display the glory of God? And God forbid you are not here because you didn't do the right things. Hallelujah. So your body belongs to you, to the Lord. The treasure, your treasure, your money, your talent your time your skills your energy there's a scripture that says in Ecclesiastes that serve the Lord in your youth as a youth as a young person I don't see any old person here as a young person here give your energy to the Lord your education your intellect and so because of all this I don't think I mean this church is an expression of the kingdom of God the body of Christ is a wider expression of the kingdom of God so I don't see why you as a believer, you as an equipped person, you as a skilled person will not use your, your skills for the glory of God. You always have something to offer. There was a quote by Margaret Idausa that I, I saw on Instagram one day and it stuck with me. She said, you may have been born naked, but you are not born empty. You have something. You have something. And I would like us to read, actually, I missed reading the key text. I was just excited, you know, to talk about this. But let's read this. It's quite a long read. But all of the principles of biblical stewardship that I'm sharing this morning is from this scripture. And it's Matthew 25 from 14 to 30. I think I should um, 
read it here so that uh, I won't be squinting my eyes to read from the screen in front of me. Okay. Can we do um, NKJV so that everyone can follow along? So Matthew chapter 25 from verse 14 to 30. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two, who had received two, gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19. After a long time, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also he also who had two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hallelujah. So we see at the beginning of this story that the, the, the master gave five to one talent to his servant. It was his own talent. It was his own money he gave to them. So that establishes the first principle that whatever we have, Everything, tangible, intangible, they ultimately belong to God. Number two principle here is found in verse 15. And says, God will not give us more than we can handle. 
God will not give us more than we can handle. In that verse 15, he said he gave them five, two, one, each according to his own ability. Each according to his own ability. Now, at the beginning, when he gave one five, another two gave one one. You, you would say, oh, God was not fair, or the, the, the leader, or the master was not fair, right? Because he should have given them equally. But if he gave that one that buried that one, five. Now that in hindsight, knowing what happened at the end of the story. Basically, can you see why he gave him one talent? I've tried to put it into words. But can you see why he gave him one? Each person has what they have been given. And it's a waste of time to be comparing what another person has. Sometimes we say, oh, the, grand, the, the grass is greener on the other side. If I was in this country, if I was born with a, a silver spoon, if I was born with a golden spoon, I would do this. If that person did not abuse me, if that person did not talk to me. Hey, if it happened to you, whatever it is that you are using as your excuse, God knew that you could do it you could overcome it. God knew. And that's why I started in the beginning to say, when God says, be fruitful, multiply, he's not a liar. He knows what he put on the inside of you. He knows your makeup. He knows what you, he knew what your background would be. He knew the trials that you will face. And so there's no point comparing blue to black or to white because they have their unique color. They have what, they are, what, what God designed them to do. And so, we should have that mentality that God will not give us more than we can handle. And if he gave us what we deem as small, he knows that we can handle it and multiply it. He just needs us to be faithful with it. Hallelujah. So be faithful with whatever you have been given. It's no good wishing that you had been given more. You are simply called to do the best you can with what you have do the best with, with what you have as much as you can hallelujah now if you think about the, this principle and say oh uh, your grass is always greener on the other side that person has more um, opportunities than I have more often than not if you go to people's success stories you will see that they too had to pass through some desert they had to pass through some challenges but what happened was that they remained faithful. They kept pushing on. They kept, if, you, if you look at some, even some people that are not believers. I heard that Elon Musk had different inventions before he came to this. He experienced so, a lot of failure. I believe uh, different inventors. Do you know how many times they had failed on their experiments before they got to that one? That made a hit. And sometimes we see somebody trending on Instagram and then you say, oh, where did, how come I never heard about this person? This person is just blowing and he's so lucky. But then when you move closer to them, someone will say that the, the, the secret of legends is in their stories. You ask them. And if they want to tell you, apart from, ah, I just give all glory to God because that's what some people do. They'll say, oh, how did you make it so far? They'll say, ah, I just thank the Lord. It's his grace. It's his favor. However, while that is true, when they tell you their stories and what they faced, then you will see that no wonder they 
This is the reward of their hard labor. So it's no use comparing yourself with another person. Just be faithful with what you have. Appreciate what you have. Own what you have. I said, this thing that you have given me, Lord, it may be little, but I am going to multiply it. I'm going to do something. You know what the, the master told that one? He said, why didn't you at least put it with the bankers? You know, I heard this recently that, do you know what this putting with the bankers mean? When you put your money with bankers, what do they do? They invest. They have, they have other people's, you know, resources. They invest, they multiply, and then they give you a little interest. So that one person, you may not know the maybe stock market and whatever. You may not know all the details about how they will use that money. Or do you know, like when you put your money in chase, do you go and tell them, please, what do you use the money for? But how is it, why is it that when people pay their tithe in church and give offering, they are asking the pastor what he's using the money for? Right? You trust the bank. I say, I put it there. I know that when I need it, I'll get it. Now they do their business with it. They make, sometimes they make losses, but they don't know. You don't know. Some of all the burdens of it, you don't know. The same thing with the church sometimes. You don't know what... I mean, just trust God. <laughs> just trust God and do what he has asked you to do because there are some things that even in the congregation, if the pastor mentions it and tells you, you will be afraid. It can shake your faith. He thinks he's believing God for. Do you think that, if you, if you look at the, the place we were at when we started, I, I think recently I was, we're looking at the YouTube channel on our TV at home, and mom was like, is that not the first place, my mom was like, is that not the first place we met in Berry Park, in Oak Park, um, years ago, I said yes, <laughs> and I told her, I said, mommy, I think we need to change it, she said, no, let's leave it so that we'll know where we are coming from, because at that time, when pastor was saying we are going to victory land, and even the bankers were saying, do you have money somewhere else? We showed them our bank accounts and they, they, were, they were like, are you for real? Is there money somewhere else that we don't know about? It seemed ridiculous to them. But the journey of faith brought us here. And I want to say thank you to everybody who believed in it and, you know, dropped whatever the Lord laid upon them. You didn't follow pastors. Let us even see where, you know, following the money. So, the principle here is the, the, the master was, was not happy with that servant because he didn't put his money at least with bankers. Somebody you know is doing so sometimes you may not be able to go out to the world to preach the gospel to India to whatever but you can partner with the bankers at least you can pray for them. You can seem interested. You can share their posts. You can, some people don't even know that we are Christians. On Instagram. They don't know that we are associated with the kingdom of God. They don't. Because we rather post worldly things. Or we rather be silent. Hallelujah. Sometimes it's even like. Maybe it's even worse to be silent sometimes. Because we don't know where you stand. Because the Bible says you have to be hot or cold. Otherwise I'll, I'll spew out of your mouth. You do something. You celebrate. No glory to God. Even the people that collect award on um, worldly program, they come and say, I give glory to God <laughs> for this award. But you, 
I'm living the life. One life to live. YOLO, nothing pertaining to God. God will not give us more than what we can handle. I don't know how I got there, but you cannot wish it. You have to do the work. So do the work with that little that you have been given. The next principle, so the first one is everything belongs to God. You and all that, all you possess belongs to God. The second one is that um, God will not give you more than what you can handle. The third one is we will give account of our stewardship. We will give accounts of our stewardship. Verse 19 says that after a long while, hallelujah, the master returned. And they had to give accounts. Everybody will give accounts. And this is not to scare anybody or make you feel like, oh, ah, on the last day, you know, how will it be? But I believe that it should just be a motivation that you want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is my desire. That is my desire that when God sees me, he'll say, my daughter, you did something with what I gave you. The voice that I gave you. The words that I gave you. You did something with it. You did something with it. I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. I I think if we keep eternity in perspective, it will change a lot of things. It will. It will change a lot of things. That God will ask you, the money I gave you, how did you use it for the kingdom of God? The skill that I gave you, do you know that some things that you do so easily, so effortlessly, somebody else will struggle to do it. That is your gift. Don't be like that one servant that buried it. God is going to ask you, give accounts. Give accounts. Let's see if you, you used it for his glory. Let's see if your, your, your mind was just about your own possessions and receiving the accolade of men. I think it should, you know, spur up questions on our inside. And say, this thing that I'm doing, will I proudly present it to God as how I used it? Will I proudly say, God, this is what I used it for? Or maybe we've not been thinking about it. This is the moment for us to think about it. How are you spending your time? Remember all those resources I mentioned earlier? How you're spending your time? How you're spending your money? How you're spending your talents? How you're spending your energy? How you're spending your influence? How you're spending those opportunities? Are you using it for the kingdom of God? Remember, there's something we call him. We call him the soon coming king. He's coming soon. I don't know how soon that soon is. Some people say, I've been saying he's coming soon, soon, soon. We don't know how soon the soon is. But the thing is, he's coming. And he's a king. There's a song that says, one day, everybody will bow before him, whether willingly or not willingly. But we as believers, we choose to bow before him willingly now. He's coming. And he will ask you, this is not to scare you. I believe it will can ginger your, give you some form of excitement. To say, I'm partnering with the king of kings. I want him to say, well done. I want him to say, well done. Good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. We will give account of how we used what he gave us. Number four here is, 
Faithfulness in little things results in promotion. Faithfulness in little things results in promotion. Verse 21. Faithful in little things. The person who came with five more. The person who, who came with two more. They received well done good and faithful servant. And he made them char- charge in charge of cities. I know that um, sometimes we feel like maybe even with church, we give more, somebody more responsibility. But pastor always says that the reward for, for good work is more work. How many of you have heard him say that before? He said the reward for good work is more work. Even you think about it. Someone who has never invested before, they come with all sorts of stories. And you have maybe 1,000 sitting in your account. You don't know what you want to use it for. And you have been thinking about investing. Someone just came. They came to you. They may even have a website. But you don't see any referrals there. You don't see the fruit of what they've done before. How confident would you be in investing that $1,000 to that person? And now there's another person who has been in the investing business for five years. Just five years. But they have testimonials. They have people who say, okay, I did this, I did that. They have a website. They have, and they sound convincing. Wouldn't you rather put your money there? Now, some people say, he's not fair. Is there anything about fairness here? It's where you will see profit and interest. It's where you see profit and interest that you'll be more inclined to put your money and put your talent there. And God made us, right? We are made in this image. So if we, as human beings, we use our sense to carefully put our money where we know there will be interest, how much more God? How much more God? We need to be faithful with what we've been given. Let's not consider it small. Because in a seed, there was one time we were talking about the principles and the seed of harvest. If you discard the seed, you discard the harvest. The seed is small, but if you despise it, then the harvest is, is, is done away with. The fifth principle here is that lack of faithfulness results in making of excuses. <clears throat> Verse 24. Lack of faithfulness results in making of excuses. And someone said that excuses are pretty good reasons for failure. Yes, those things are there. But you choose to hold on to them for failure or inactivity or not of, of, for your unproductivity. There will always be traffic. There will always be you feeling tired. We already know that there are only seven days in a week. <laughs> we already know that we have children. We already know we have to cook and eat. We already know that we have to go to work and come. Why not schedule the important things and not give excuses? The truth of the matter is, whatever is important to you, you schedule time to do it. And when your whole schedule does not have God in it, then you have just communicated something that is not that important to you. And if that's where you are, I always say, God will meet you where you are. Ask him to open your eyes. The Bible says in Matthew 16, right, or 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That was what Jesus was saying. He says, seek first, not after. And that seek is an active word. 
seek first the kingdom of God. It's easy to give excuses why things are not working, but as long as you, as soon as you take responsibility to say, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to wake up at such and such a time. I'm going to make it to workers' meeting. I'm going to attend this. I'm going to attend midweek. As soon as you decide, that's the beginning of stepping in the right direction. You can wish it all you want. You can think it all you want. But if you don't set actionable steps to where you are going. The Bible says in Habakkuk, it says, write the vision. Make it plain. And when you make it plain, what you will run with it. You will set the marks, the landmarks to where you're going. I was reading something recently about um, alcohol anonymous, those people who are addicted to um, alcohol, and they come to a meeting to just talk through their experiences. But one of the things they found out in that alcohol um, anonymous, they usually call it AA, is that Nothing happens until they come to say, I am responsible. Nothing, no change happens until they say, I am responsible. I am the one making this decision. So I need to be the person to change things around. Others, and they say, until they come to that point, nothing happens. They can come, they'll talk, they'll socialize and say, oh, I did it again. Maybe they won't be half awake. You know, they're just saying all of that. And they will be with them. They're faithful friends. They'll be with them in the company. But they're looking for that opportunity or that point when they say, this is me. I am responsible. And so I'm going to make a turnaround. But as long as you keep putting it off to another person and say, oh, it's because they offended me. It's because I feel upset. It's because of blah, blah, blah. Give, as, soon, as long as you keep giving excuses, you will not get it done. That person that had one talent who say, oh, because the master, because the master was a shrewd man. That's why. Because he gave me only one. I don't know what to do with it. Even the master said, if you didn't know what to do with it, couldn't you have at least partnered? Maybe you could have found the person that had five talents and said, ah, let's do something together. You mean, it's not even an excuse. You don't know it's not an excuse. Even in this day and age. You have an idea. You have something you believe that the Lord is inspiring you to do. And you don't know how to get over to the other side. Ask for help. First of all, pray about it. And then talk to someone, a trusted person about it. You can bank, put it with the bankers. You don't know what to do with it. But follow somebody who is already prospering. There's no excuse. No excuse will fly. In fact, sometimes, if we appear before God, I say, okay, the reason I didn't serve you was because of this and that and that. Even you yourself will know that. This, this excuse cannot fly. I think I was listening to Pastor Mildred recently and she was saying that in church, I, I think I gave this example the other day about how she noticed a certain brother in church whose face was you know, was not happy, was sad. And then she asked him, what's the matter? And he said, oh, don't worry, Pastor Me. And she was insisting, she was like, just tell me what the matter is. And she now said, ah, it's not that person. She spoke to me rudely. I've been in the team for, you know, many years. And she spoke to me rudely. And she said, eh. She said, maybe she should have just left the guy to be sad away because what she told him probably would have made him more upset. And she sat him down and said, okay. So imagine that you're in heaven now. And uh, everybody is telling the Lord 
if I maybe it's not even them saying it, they will say, oh, let's welcome um, Brother Philip and Brother Stephen. Stephen was stoned for the gospel. You know, and they are giving them, you know, their, their matthias. We are clapping for them. And I said, you, Brother John, what was the cross you carried for the Lord? Ah, it was a sister that spoke to me rudely. How does that compare? I mean, I know we are different. And this is something I've come to realize as, um, as a pastor. That, um, you know, somebody might take a correction more seriously than another person. Another person will take it as... Um, as an insult but another person would take it as a challenge and that is really the condition of our hearts really because that's what scripture says last week when we talked about when pastor was preaching about the soil you know if you're so, if you're the condition of your heart is to be better you will see beyond no matter how the criticism is you can see beyond it to do better is, that, is there any truth in this is there any maybe the way the person said it is not particularly I do, but is there any truth in, in this? And then choose to be better. So, if we put all that into perspective, that we're going to appear before God and we say, okay, why didn't you do, you know, make use of the gift that I gave you and we give all these excuses. They won't fly. It won't. And so let's not give good reasons for failure. Let's not give good reasons for not being faithful with what God has given us. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. The second or the next principle here is that the unfaithful servant was regarded as wicked and lazy. This is actually in red in my Bible. Jesus said it. That the person... When the, the, the master said, you are a wicked and lazy servant. Let's check out the message translation of that verse 26. Do we have that? Verse 26. Okay, the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live, he was telling the servant. It is criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum of the bank with invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. He says terrible to live like that. The other version said, you, you are wicked and lazy. And it may seem harsh, but if you realize that there's someone at the other side of your execution that will fail or be, you know, will be destroyed if you don't act, then you see that it is wicked. If God has called you to build an orphanage or caused you to sow into something or to serve in the church and, and, and when you sing, Others will be saved. What about when you don't sing? And the person doesn't get saved. Or the person doesn't feel the presence of God like they ought to. That is wickedness. Because you have the solution. But you chose to keep it. You didn't use it. For its purpose. And it's lazy. Because the scripture here was saying. That um, message translation. You say you did, least, you did less than the least. I mean it takes a little bit of effort to dig. I think. 
it takes a little bit of an effort to dig then put the talent there then cover it then the scripture says that after a long time the master came that means he knew the location where he dug I mean it's not a plant, it wasn't a seed it was an inanimate object so he dug it he took the effort to dig it he put the seed, then he covered it and then maybe he was watching it making sure the place was marked and said okay when the and they said it was after a very they didn't say after the scripture didn't say after a short while it says after a long while maybe people had their children maybe people like all the while that thing was buried there and he knew exactly where it was and went there to dig it out again can we convert that lazy effort to something more productive can we convert our thinking you know, because he said, I was afraid. Could it be that sometimes we're afraid of failures? We think about all the things that could go wrong. But what about if it goes right? We think about, let's, so let's convert our thoughts when it's going in the negative direction, in fear, saying, oh, how about I, if I preach to somebody, the person doesn't accept Christ. What about if I sow that seed and it doesn't prosper and, and you know, it, it doesn't yield increase? What about I do this? convert that effort because I said that man who was lazy he took an effort to dig that ground to bury the seed now convert that effort to something more productive convert that thought in the wrong direction and say no I'm going to prosper I'm going to be fruitful in fact even if I fail it's working out for my good because really we don't fail when you fail you learn how not to do it and when you fail and you fail quickly then you pick up and do it again but if you wait till later to learn the lesson you will still learn you have wasted the time so we must make haste let's do it quickly there are some things that I did that I didn't expect uh, the outcome that I was expecting was much more than what I received I have learned how to do I have looked back and I'm still learning that okay this is how not to do it. I now know how not to do it. How many of us believe that that's an addition? That's growth. Yeah. So you've already realized that this is not how to do it. That's growth. You have profited right there. Maybe that man, if he had lost that talent, he would have said, ah, master, I didn't make profit or but ah, that fishing business is very bad. He will now know. He will tell, maybe tell the fifth, the, the one that had five talents and the one that had, don't go to fishing business, at least for now. Our brother put money there and it didn't prosper. Can you see that would have been a profit to him because he would have he would have he would have prevented loss? Maybe the person that had ten talents, maybe the next place he was going to was that fishing. But because that one that came gave, gave a report of a failure, it will lead to profit eventually. So we need to think differently and say, okay, yes, even if it fails, yes, it may fail. Even if it fails, I will learn how not to do it. So we don't fail in the kingdom of God. God is with you. Remember the song we sang? It says, because you are with me, I will not fear. Because even when I go through the water and through the fire, you are with me. And you will teach me how to navigate out of it. Many people, some of the things that they are using for profit now are the people, are, are the lessons they learned when they failed. And they are teaching people, don't do it this way, don't do it. Don't. And that's, that's what is their profit. So don't be afraid. That lazy man had the opportunity to dig or to use that 
time for something more productive, but he chose to dig and he chose to watch over that buried seed. That will not be us in the name of Jesus. So I believe Jesus was calling that, that uh, servant lazy because there are people that need your solution. As long as you keep from doing what you ought to do, they will, they will not be saved. They will not be established. They will not be encouraged. And so that's why it's wicked. Because if we are kind, we are going to be willing to help. So that's why, you know, you can think of your business or your ministry like that. That I'm offering help. I'm offering solution. I'm making your life better. Hallelujah. I wrote also here that the lazy person, um, fear crippled him. He knew his master would require excellence, as we saw in the message translation. He, he knew his master would require excellence and hard work, and so he didn't apply, apply himself. He didn't say, I don't know how, but I can learn. How can I be better? Because sometimes we feel like we can't live up to something we have, in, an idea we have in our mind. We don't know how to. But if you, if, like Pastor mentioned, I believe two Sundays ago, about learning, having a, a, a teachable heart. Okay, how can I learn? Reach out, ask God, ask people, and you become better. The next principle here is that God will take opportunity from the unfaithful and give it to the faithful. God will take opportunity from the unfaithful and give it to faithful. That's pretty explanatory. You know, the, I mentioned the reward for good work is more work. If, even me, if I give a task to a person and it's not, you know, I feel like it's not profitable. I'll, because the thing needs to be done. I'll take it and give it to someone else that I know will, will make it happen. Same principle, even with our investing. Yeah, you take from one place, of course, you, that's, where, that's where you're going to profit. The next principle here, as we round up, is every unfaithful steward will end up in regret. And that's sad because you realize, I think in heaven it will be more sad because I believe in heaven. This is my theory. Maybe I need to, um, you know get more revelation on this. But I think in heaven, the perspective there is different. The Bible says a thousand years to him, they're like a day. And I feel like when in heaven, you know, when God will, can show us what we could have been if we did blah, 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 or who we could have been if we did blah, 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 it's going to be painful because you just like, look at all this profit and things that I could have done. But I just chose not to. I chose to be lazy. I didn't want to apply myself. I knew it would be tough. I knew it would be difficult. I knew it would be demanding. But I chose to sit on it. I pray that will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. We will not end our lives in regret. Some people, even on their deathbed, they feel like, oh, they didn't spend their time enough with their family. They didn't spend time doing the things that were most important. So we need to check ourselves, audit our lives. Like, if we get to heaven now, you know, is this going to be the best way that I use the resources that the Lord gave me? And we ask the question, what if I fail? But really, what if you succeed? What will I tell my master? Will I tell him that 
I just don't want to do what you asked me to do. Your reason for existence should be stronger than your challenges. The reason, your purpose, that should be stronger than whatever challenge you may be facing, whatever excuses the enemy may want to appear, put before you. And then the last one here is God wants us to be productive and profit-oriented from verse 30. God wants us to be productive and profit-oriented. Life is a huge privilege. Someone will say that we call today present because it is a gift and we need to open it. We need to live purposefully. Life is a huge privilege. It's an opportunity and God has entrusted you with gifts and abilities that he wants you to use. Use them or lose them. He has been faithful to us. He gave his all for us. And it's only right that we give our all to him and to his cause. I remember one time, I believe um, someone was upset when I said, um, use it or lose it. And it's almost like, oh, are you trying to say, no. That's scripture. If you don't use it, you lose it. And God wants us to be faithful. And it's not to scare anybody because the song we sang earlier, we said that he's our friend and he's our king. He's a different kind of king. He gives us instructions. He gives us directions. He expects us to follow. But he's also our friend in the sense that he will be with us in the journey. Through the failures, through the successes, through the learnings. He will be with us. He will provide. Remember, there's provision. Whatever dream or whatever thing that you have in your heart, you may, you may not have it, but God has it. He has the resources to make it happen. And so, I would just invite us. We're going to worship for a few minutes because I'm ahead of time. <laughs> we'll worship for a few minutes and I just want you to think about it. What is that thing that you have buried? I don't want you to undig it when when you have to give account, undig it now. Undig it now. And as we worship God, I want you to believe God for boldness. I want you to believe Him for clarity. I want you to believe Him for strength. That in the name of Jesus, I want you to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe I buried that talent, I buried that idea. I put it aside and thought it doesn't count. I thought it was little. I thought it was insignificant. I thought there are already a lot of people doing this. There are already a lot of people doing that. And so I don't count. Maybe I've not seen how powerful I can become. Maybe I've not seen how God can use me. And I've just buried it. I want you to unbury it now. As the Lord will be opening your eyes. He's the one that, I'm not going to be calling anybody forward. He's the one who created you. you. He's the one who put those ideas in your heart. He's the one who gave you your talents, gave you your gifts, gave you your skills. He gave you those ideas. And he knows how best you can execute them. So as we worship God, I, I want us to just... Um, unbury it and say Lord I will not be an unprofitable servant it's for your kingdom it's for your glory everything about me is for you it's for you it's for you and as you have that in your heart and think to the Lord I'm sure um, 
inspire your heart in the in the direction you need to go and he'll give you strength and then we'll pray shortly after that